Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back to the Cyber Law Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Pollock, cybersecurity and privacy attorney at McDonald Hopkins. As always, keep the questions, calls, comments coming, 410-917-5189, or email me at spollock, that's S as in Sam, P as in Paul, O-L-L-O-C-K, at mcdonaldhopkins.com. Very excited for one of my return guests, Chris Lair, EVP and CTO of Solace. Chris, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, I appreciate it, Spencer. It's been a while, but happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. So let's jump in. We're, I don't know when people are listening to this, but right now we are approaching the end of 2023. And one of the interesting topics that I always like to cover kind of at these times of the year is almost a year in review and then kind of what we're looking forward to in 2024. So let's just start broad, Chris. What what did you see in 2023 that you found kind of interesting and common trends? Yeah, I think what I found interesting is I think in years, recent years past, we've seen really a couple, maybe two to three major ransomware groups kind of be the, you know, handle the majority of the attacks that we see in the small and medium sized sector. And I think this year we've just seen a much wider variety of attackers. Um, you know, it used to be, I remember a year ago, as well as you do, you know, it's like we, it seems like we're just talking lockbit most of the time. And this year, it just seems like just so many different groups either coming or going. I mean, some of them stick around. Some of them, you know, we hear through the, um, you know, through whatever the Twitterverse or whatever you want to call it that, you know, have kind of, quote, rolled up into Lockbit or using Lockbit's infrastructure. I mean, so it's just all over the place. I mean, you um, little groups, big groups um, seem to come across as in, individuals. Um, where you can kind of tell they're just a kind of a one person show because just the way that they engage and the way they operate and how talkative they are or whatever the case may be. So that's one interesting trend um, I saw this year. The other one is I, I think that there is a, um, and I think this is the scariest one where uh, we used to always say, right, it's, um, you're, if, you know, it, it's, it's going to come, you're going to get attacked. But I think healthcare, especially hospitals and some other things were kind of spared for the most part. I mean, some of the bigger groups were like, hey, look, we're not going to put people's lives at risk in that kind of way or that type of thing. Um, but this year was different, right? We've seen lots of hospitals. Uh, didn't matter what size impacted, just lots of different organizations impacted. Um, I saw a um, I saw a post today about the parent company for vans and dickies and that that line of clothing they they got hit and, and they've had to they've had to file a report uh for the sec as a result of that so the point is is i just think that there is no there are no guardrails there are no boundaries um there's just groups that are going to attack anybody they can um just to get a piece of the pie yeah and you know you raise a really good point where i think like what we've seen and i agree completely Right. There used to be like, I hate to say this, but like a code or honor among thieves type deal because you did have those guardrails. You had like the motherships. But now you get these groups that are just like basically, excuse my language, like screw it. We're going out there. We're going to hit whoever, whenever, wherever. Um, and, you know, to your point as well, I had one a hospital system where we reminded them about what they were doing and reminded them about their rules. And they came back and they just were verbatim said, we know who we attacked. We don't care. Um, and you need to pay us. It was impacting, you know, healthcare and, you know, the delivery of medical services. And one thing 
I wanted you to touch on or talk about is kind of these smaller groups. And when you're negotiating with them, are you finding that? And once again, it's funny to say, but the motherships have their rules. Right. The smaller groups, are you seeing, are you kind of fearful when you're negotiating that they're just going to renege and re-extort clients? Uh, I'm not seeing that they're necessarily going to renege and, and re-extort. I haven't seen that. What I, um, But what I have seen or and heard that other people have seen is that if they say they're going to delete the data, another group might come back and re-extort you for that same data, like it passes hands. I don't know exactly what it goes on, but, but so this other group's not going to re-extort you. So, Hey, we're not going to re-extort you. That's their word, but they, they're not going to say, Hey, somehow this data will fall in the hands of somebody else and they'll re you know, they'll extort you. So, and I've also seen where, um, like somebody doesn't pay and I mean, it goes silent for a while and then somebody else, another, you know, threat actor group picks it up and tries to, you know, extort as well. So, it, you know, it, it used to hear that those bad guys didn't really want to hang on to that data t- too long, that there was, you know, somewhat of a cost and maintenance and all this kind of stuff to them handling that data. But I think they're they're holding on to that data. And I, I would definitely say, too, and not to forget is, and I'm sure you're seeing it, especially on your side of things, is, the amount of data these guys are able to take now, right? I mean, it was, you know, I say it was used to be megs and then it was gigs, but now you're, you know, you're getting into a terabyte plus in some particular cases. And so the amount of data these guys are able to kind of swallow up over a short period of time and then turn around and use that as leverage is definitely, it doesn't seem like that's slowing down or the amount of data they're taking is, uh, uh, it, it keeps ever increasing. Yeah. And once again, you made a really good point about how, much faster they're able to take data because i agree a couple years ago it was i feel like harder for them to get the data but now we're looking at like terabytes upon terabytes where it puts clients in this horrible position do you think that that's based on the advancement of the technology or just the threat actors being able to sit in the system longer and do slow drips or a combination of everything yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I think they're getting smarter with the way that they're uh, getting in and packaging the data. So number one is I think they're finding data more quickly, the data that they want to take. They're able to package it up quick, more quickly, um, compress it in a way, and then take advantage of, you know, people have pretty substantially sized uh, internet pipes, right? So take advantage of that and, you know, be be very clandestine about it. So to kind of go undetected, I think that's a little bit of the, you know, the um, side effects of having, you know, in today's, it used to be, you know, let's say 15 years ago, people had their internet locked down a lot, right? You had X amount of bandwidth. You couldn't just let anybody, let all your employees go do whatever they want on the internet. It's pretty locked down to quote business only sites. But now you have bigger pipes. You have um, looser controls around that because bandwidth is, is, more plentiful for for the employees to use. And there's a lot of stuff online with SaaS and video and all sorts of stuff that is business related. So the threat actors can take advantage of that, right? They can, you know, they can suck massive amounts of data. Also, you know, organizations back up data over the internet to the cloud, right? So you're not going to see what 15 years ago would be a huge blip on the, on the map or on the chart 
of data or something going on anomalous on your network. You're just not going to see it as much anymore because you have so much data going in and out of your organization across that internet pipe. Yeah, you're right. And with the increased bandwidth, that's clearly given threat actors a more uh, an easier opportunity to kind of flush out data. In terms of how threat actors have gotten in, have you seen any shift in the vulnerabilities that haven't been addressed or the tactics being used that companies in 2023 were experiencing? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say number one is um, when there is a vulnerability, especially of something externally facing, that's typically firewalls or, or any, some type of access equipment or something of that nature. The bad guys are taking advantage of it super fast, okay? So that's the one part of it. The second part of that is, is people may think that they're, hand, you know, they're addressing that vulnerability by patching or updating, but what they don't understand is that may not be enough, especially if a threat actor is already taking care of, the, you know, taking advantage of that vulnerability. Uh, there's additional steps you need to take besides just updating and patching. Updating and patching doesn't get the threat actor out there. It just makes it to where anyone else wants, who wanted to come in, can't come in that way anymore. So definitely seeing these vulnerabilities needing to to be attacked quicker. I mean, if you look at, you know, lately you had the NetScaler vulnerability. And if you look back at the vendor's, you know, um, announcement of that or whatever, and they say in there, you know, we, we have no information that this vulnerability is being currently exploited in the wild. Well, they probably didn't have information. They're not lying. But they don't know, right? They no one's told them that it's been exploited. They don't know yet. But that doesn't mean it is actually being exploited. So I some sometimes I think people read that and misinterpret what they're trying to say. And so um, I think it's really important to rest, especially around these vulnerabilities. And if you discover that you have a vulnerable device out there, uh, and that you really need to take the time and effort to to dig in to understand, hey, is there some kind of activity on here that kind of raises an eyebrow or two? And if you don't know how to do that, get somebody in there that can at least, you know, take a quick look and say, hey, no, I think this thing is good or no, I think it deserves a deeper look. So vulnerabilities is re really, really important. I mean, just to pick on Microsoft Exchange, it continues to be um, a very favorable attack vector for the, for threat actors. Um, every time we come across a Microsoft Exchange environment, we just simply shake our heads um and so it's just so hard to keep microsoft exchange updated uh it, it, it the deal with microsoft exchange as we all know is email is such a critical part of an organization and so you know it's just really hard to go through and patch those systems and reboot them and do all those types of things it's, it can be a very complex process there's a lot of risk that things don't come up correctly that type of thing and so uh there's really I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you can complain about Microsoft, you know, kind of forcing your hand to go to 365. But I mean, it's if you if you don't want to be caught with your your pants down when it comes to these vulnerabilities uh, with Microsoft Exchange, just get off Exchange because trying to keep up with it's an impossible. And then, um, and I also think that the the other things we see is still this remote access. Um, like just the lack of security around remote access. We still see uh, people using VPNs that have just usernames and passwords. Uh, also, you know, they've integrated it to Active Directory. So if somebody gets a hold of your credentials, they can get into your VPN. And now they can get into the complete network at that point and do whatever they want. Um, and then there's a misunderstanding around, I mean, once someone's in your network like that, 
you you know, it comes down to being able to monitor that. I mean, you could have the best EDR tool in the world. And if somebody's able just to roam around your network and do normal, typical user things like browsing directories, doing discovery of things, just running commands that everybody else can run, your EDR, nothing's, it's not going to pick up on that typically. And so by that time, it's too late. So, um, but it's amazing how many people still haven't addressed that issue of hardening from a remote access perspective, uh, how people need to get in. You know, they they push back and they give excuses like, oh, you know, we're going to get to that, but we have this set of people that just don't want to deal with that change right now. Or, you know, well, multi-factor, I know we have, it's just, you know, it's just a nightmare to implement on, on this particular um, remote access thing. Or, you know, this is what's interesting is we actually see them have a upgraded firewall in place but that's just the one piece they haven't migrated over. And so people are still remoting into the old firewall and just, just getting straight into the network. And people aren't locking things down enough. I think when people remote into the network, they're still, they still have too much access to too many things. So when a threat actor gains access to their credentials and gets in that way, it's just a, you know, it's just a buffet, for, you know, your network's basically a buffet for them to, to browse and pick up whatever they want to. So, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of these things are not dissimilar than we've seen in the past. I just think the threat actors are taking advantage of it much more quickly. Uh, they're um, they're just better at what they do. So they can get in, they move more quickly. They, um, like I said earlier, they find what they need to find more quickly. Uh, they have better tools at their disposal. I mean, these guys aren't writing their own stuff. They're not, you know, doing some crazy, what I always call like Mission Impossible or James Bond type stuff to get into the network. They're just really good and fast at what they do. So when these things, when you do leave these openings, as small as they are, they're going to get in there. And by the time you figure it out, for most small businesses, it's too late. Yeah. I mean, I think the access control part, too, is so interesting that we're still at a position in 2023 where companies are allowing so many employees who don't need access to have that access. I feel like that's just going to be a problem moving forward because it's just almost kind of, a, I don't want to call it lazy, but just maybe an oversight that shouldn't be an oversight. And I'm not really sure who that falls to between the C-suite or IT or probably just a combination of both. But that kind of leads into the next question. So looking forward to 2024, what are some things that you're going to, that you think we're going to see, let's start with the threat actor side, uh, from threat actors moving forward? Yeah, for 2024, threat actors, I, I just don't see anything slowing down. I, I've heard people comment, well, maybe we're coming to the, you know, the kind of from a cyclical perspective, the slower part of the year, and we're going to see attacks slow down. I just don't see it happening. I mean, that's just too, these guys are having too much success and making too much money for them to slow down. Um, that's my opinion on that. I, I also see that um, you're going to continue to see these, threat actor groups be less willing to uh, negotiate. I mean, we've already, we didn't talk about that earlier, but we've seen these groups that, you know, they name a number uh, to you and me. It's a very large number uh, based on, you know, the victim and then what we know about them financially, but they just don't come down off that number at all. Uh, they're going to continue to, to um, increase the pressure on pain. They're going to, uh, they're going to definitely, I think post data 
more quickly like they have done now. You know, we, we used to see it take a month or two months, sometimes longer for them to actually publish data out there if you didn't pay or didn't respond to them. Uh, but they're being real quick about that now. Um, you know, recently we saw the group um, basically report to the feds that uh, <laughs> the company had been compromised and and that type of stuff. So you're going to see a lot of tricks and techniques and things to, you know, amp up the pressure and, and they're going to continue to increase those dollar amounts and the demands a lot. Um, and that's just, um, that's just my thoughts on that. I don't, I just don't think it's going to slow down in 2024. I just think that there's very, unfortunately with, um, dynamics in the world today, especially, you know, between the U S and Russia that you're going to see, you know, there's not a lot of stuff we can do from a law enforcement side there other than basically take down sites. I know there were some arrests in, in the Ukraine a, a few weeks ago, I mean, that's good news, but guess what? I mean, it's the only ones you really heard about in 2023. So it's not like these guys are getting arrested on a monthly or, or weekly basis. So, um, yeah, there's just really no deterrent or uh, anything to scare these guys from slowing down. So I think that's going to end up. And, and I think once again, we're going to see, um, you know, mobile, you know, vulnerabilities are going to pop up and they're going to get exploited. So there's no doubt that that'll happen. I don't know what the over under on big vulnerabilities in 2024 will be. Maybe it's, maybe it's three, um, you know, and then we're, you, we're going to see some other ones, you know, we had the, um, the move it type situations, which I think taught a lot of people, some lessons about their data and knowing where their data goes and all those types of things. And so, um, on the, none of that, uh, we're going to continue to see those things. I'm, we're not going to see anything trending down in my opinion. Yeah. The last thing you, you touched on, I, I mean, like, I agree with everything you just said. The last part is something I've been really pushing to clients and something I think you and I have been talking about for a long time is vendor vulnerability. You know, look, the move it, the move it to the world. That's hard to stop. Right. That's moving to such a large entity and had good security in place. But I look at more of the smaller vendors and doing just base level due diligence and not just accepting blindly um, the security controls they have in place, both administrative and technical. And really, clients need to be focusing on that. And I get it takes time. But, you know, to your point a little while ago, you really got to incorporate good external parties to help you you know, in terms of the legal, in terms of the security and technical, to start asking the baseline questions to push these vendors to get better, because if not, you're left incredibly vulnerable. Um, and I think that's one of the big things that I know you're going to keep pushing this one thing I'm going to keep pushing, even if it's just a company doing it internally themselves. Um, last question that I wanted to cover with you is one interesting thing I saw in 2023, and I only really heard about it one time, was a threat actor group going to the SEC themselves during a ransomware attack and reporting a company. With the advent of these new laws coming out and the more strict regulators, do you see threat actors actually taking advantage of that and going to regulators themselves to report companies as a mean of as a, a way to leverage higher demands? I think that's kind of a short-term deal, right? Because I think that that you know that that legislation is pretty brand new, and so companies aren't necessarily educated enough to know exactly what they need to do. And the threat actors seem to be a little bit more educated about it and taking advantage of that. I think going forward, uh, companies are going to be doing that anyway. And so by the time the 
threat actor goes to the SEC or whatever regulatory body they, they go to, it, it, that regulatory body will know. So I don't think there'll be as much leverage as the threat actors think they will do. Uh, but that won't stop them from trying. Uh, you know, I saw a, you know, I mentioned that earlier about that parent company of vans getting hit and they had to put in their statement that they believe it's going to materially impact their operations, this attack that happened on the 13th. And, and I'm not telling anything secret here. It's public information. And, and that, um, you know, they kind of listed out, they just listed out that it was an attack and there's going to be some impact and that type of thing, but that's all it tells you. Right. So I, I, and, and their stock's going to, their stock did take a hit. I think it was a between, I think it's like 7.8% their stock dropped. But I mean, we just don't know what that's going to do. Right. I mean, is their stock going to bounce back up once they come? That's usually what we see. Um, and so I'm, I, I just, I think that's going to, those types of things are the things that the threat actors are going to, are going to try to do and they're going to find new and other creative ways to do it. But that SEC one probably won't last long because people are going to be, you know, making those filings pretty quickly. And it's, they're going to be like, okay, threat actor, thanks for telling the SEC, but we already did. Yeah, that's a good point. I just thought it was a, it was an interesting tactic and one that if I was in that position as counsel, I would be very, very unhappy with. Uh, all right. So last thing, what's one thing that you can give to the audience about what they should really think? And I know it's hard to get one thing, but just one thing that you think they should be thinking about in 2024. I think people really need, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to cheat here and we got two things. So the, the first thing that, um, I think that they really need to be thinking about is what can they do from a visibility perspective to improve their organization so they they can look for anomalous stuff and when and that really comes down to not just logging but having systems in place to be able to 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 you know take that logging and make sense out of it so you can go oh man somebody there's some kind of normal activity going on but it's going on at 2 a.m that's an issue or you know some mysterious there's some login attempts that we haven't seen before and all of a sudden we're seeing those on this SaaS app or whatever the case may be i think that's one thing that people really need to to to, to be on top of we still just see a, a true lack of logging and monitoring of those of those events that would just make their lives easier but make our lives easier too so when we get in the situation we can more quickly pick up on what happened how bad it was and those types of things. So that's the number one. The, the second piece, um, which is what I, I gave myself a bonus here to, to say this one, is I still just think data security people are just terrible at it. Um, they just don't. They just don't take the time to um, have good data hygiene practices in place. They keep way too much data. Too many people have too much access to data. Um, they're not aware of the data they have. Um, so you and I have got that we've had cases over the years, right? Where they find they're like, hey, no, no, we're fine, we don't have any data, and there's one spreadsheet full of stuff, and they're like, Oh god, we had no idea we had all that data in that spreadsheet. Um, and so just just a lack of awareness around what they have from a data perspective. And then I mean, there is there are solutions out there that do encrypt data in a good way. So if a threat actor does get in the network and starts roaming around, uh, they can't they can grab that data, but it's useless to them. So just a more a, a, a focus on that is incredibly important because both of those things, the monitoring will let you pick up on things more quickly so you can potentially stop a threat actor from going too far. And the second thing is, is look, look, if they get in there and they take stuff, you're like, who cares? It's encrypted. You know, I'm not saying it's, it's, 
not decryptable, but it's it's a lot of work and it'll take a long time. It's a lot of horsepower to decrypt that stuff. And most likely those threat actors are not going to take the time or the energy to do that. So that's what I think. Yeah, those I think both things. both things that you, it's all right. I'll give you two things. I think both are very valuable, you know, especially with the logging and uh, understanding about the data. Uh, Chris, thanks for coming on again. It's always very insightful. Uh, you bring a wealth of knowledge. So thank you again. Well, I appreciate being on here, Spencer, and um, appreciate just being able to tell people about this stuff because I think it's very important for them to know. That's right. Um, and to the audience, everybody, thanks for listening. As always, keep questions, calls, comments coming. 410-917-5189 or email me, spollock at mcdonaldhopkins.com. Have a great morning, great afternoon, great evening, and we'll see you in 2024.